Welcome to the Grace Church Conversations podcast, a weekly resource to help you apply Sunday to Monday. I'm Jared. And I'm Craig. Craig, happy fall. Yeah, now you were just saying fall began. Yesterday. Yesterday was yeah, the first the day of fall. the 23rd. Uh-huh. Is yeah, that- apparently. I mean, I could double check it. Sarah told me that and I had to- It's not the 21st. I had to Google it. No, uh, the start of fall. We're Googling right now. Let's see what Google you, you says. Are, you're not only the podcast producer, you're also the researcher. I am. That's what you, I do. You are, the, you are the staff researcher. Here it is. September equinox, 2019, Monday, September 23rd. Okay. Uh, and yeah, it's okay. the, autumn, the autumn equinox, I guess. So So did it feel like autumn? Uh, it felt... Warm. Yeah. (laughs) You know, actually, yesterday was Monday, right? This we're doing this Tuesday. So I was Uh in Houston and it it felt uh well pretty have you ever been in a sauna? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what it feels like. That's Houston most of the year though. (laughs) So it felt humid. So I don't know. I think it's just for them, it's levels of uh, humility. (laughs) Very humble city. No, levels of humidity. (laughs) It's just I think certain seasons you have more humidity than others, but it was it was quite swampy. So but I'm back now and uh I did not even know I would I didn't realize that I missed the um I missed the moment. Well, I mean it was such a big deal. Yeah, Everyone yeah. made such a big deal yeah. of it. Well, not you know, we all. do aim to serve the <laughs> listening audience. So we're not just providing answers to questions. Uh, you know, we are also just informing you of things you need to know. Like, yeah. like when right. did autumn begin? Yeah, there it's officially go. autumn. Okay, I hear so you. So maybe it'll feel like it in two months. Yeah, three it's, months that's maybe, the way it works By here. Christmas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially you're from north where you get snow at Christmas. So for you... Yeah, it, we never have winter here for you. But we'll nope. talk about that this winter. Yeah, it'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, why don't we jump into some questions from this past week? As a reminder to you, our listeners, you can text in your sermon-related questions to 469-573-2920. We get those anonymously and answer them here. So this past week, man, it was the last week of uh, the Jonah series, There huh? you go. Good. Bye-bye, Jonah. Uh, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like it rushed oh, by? Oh, yeah. You know, there are times when I've taught through books of the Bible, which I love the Bible, but there have been a few times where it's like, wow, can we move on to the next thing already? Because you feel like, <laughs> so that would be a really long study. Um, I, I, honestly, I felt that a little bit at the end of the book of Acts, because mm. we did Acts, and that's a lot of uh, 28 chapters or whatever. So yeah. that was... Um, that was a lot, but this one, I, I never, I didn't feel like I lost any level of enthusiasm. It was a short series, so it felt like okay. From the beginning, we had the here's what it's about, and then at the end, here's what it was about. And, yeah. Um, so that's cool. I, people seem to attract with the, a lot of the ideas. I think mm-hmm. the example of Jonah, and I think people attract a lot. You know, bringing in Caleb last week, I I, I hope that was helpful. Yeah. Because I think uh, it, dealing. With the topic of ang- anger, certainly mm-hmm. um, uh, touched heart as people's where we live, you know, anger. Yeah. And then I think just thinking about having mercy uh, on other folks is uh, it's it's something that, you know, sadly, from uh, I don't think the church as a whole, the American church, I'm not sure this is what, if you ask the culture, when you think of evangelical Christians, the church, what do you think of? I'm not sure mercy towards others would be the first thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not what they think about my life either. So I think the idea of being merciful is something that has... Um, 
it, it, I think we've got ground to take in this yeah. one. So I, I'm, gl- I'm glad to focus on it. And as we think about public faith, I think it is vital because we're living in a world with where lines are drawn, mm-hmm. uh, more and more walls are built, yeah. uh, separating people from others. And so I think it's a time to really emphasize, how do I think about others? How do I relate? What's my heart towards others who think, act, believe, practice, mm-hmm. um, live differently than, yeah. than I? Hmm. That's good. Cool. Well, um, yeah, certainly enjoyed the series. Think it was a really helpful time for our church. Um, but yeah, we still got some questions okay. from it. So let's jump into these uh, from uh, this past week. Here we go with the first one. What do you think the timeline is for this plant? So speaking of the plant right, that right. Jonah was enjoying yeah, yeah. the shadow of yeah, the shade. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think the timeline is for this plant? Do you think it grew up overnight? And what about this worm? How big is this thing <laughs> that it withers the plant from dawn to the next day? Yeah, it sounds like a, a B sci-fi, met, you know, yeah, a, yeah, a yeah. sci-fi movie, the giant worm. <laughs> Jonah and the giant worm. Yeah, that's good. Um when I first read this question, you were kind of laughing. I didn't know if the person was playing with us a little bit, but I'm treating it like a hundred percent serious question. Yeah, but I for did sure. chuckle no, no, when I read it a totally little bit, serious. but it's a good question. Some of the questions we're getting, I, it's just been so encouraging to me that people are engaging yeah. and thinking about things. Uh, okay. So here's what I think about it. I, I don't, I think the timeline for the plant is as it's recorded, it, it's there for a day. Um, some people think, some scholars think it was a castor oil plant, castor mm. oil plant. And you see that in, you'll see that in footnotes of commentaries oftentimes. I mean, footnotes of the Bible are commentaries. And I read today that a typical castor oil plant, uh, it takes, uh, to, to get like six feet or something really tall, you know, it takes like a year or something. Mm. So this, this would not have happened on its own in a day. And, uh, how big would a worm have to be to kill this plant? Uh, you know, normally something like that takes a long time. So the point of it all is that God is doing this. God is using Mm -hmm. something natural. He doesn't create, it's not an imaginary figure. He doesn't bring a unicorn, something that nobody's ever seen before. It's a plant (laughs) that everybody's seen and a worm that everybody's seen. So he uses natural means, I think. But what he does is he, uh, it's still a supernatural intervention. And we, it's through that word appoint. That's the key word there. Mm -hmm. So in, in chapter one, he appoints a great fish. In chapter four, he appoints a plant and then he appoints a worm and then he appoints an east wind. So the point is the Lord is doing all of this. So I think, I think it's accurate. I think the timeline was, it was there for a day. I think the worm was probably a regular worm started chewing, but the Lord killed the plant with a couple, you know, very quickly it died. And, um, uh, so I think that, I think, I think the Lord just happened to tell, we just happened to know that he used those means. I don't, I don't think that this plant would, even if it was fast growing, I don't think there'd be any plant that would grow so tall within a day, you know, that would shade his entire person necessarily. So I think when it says a point we're supposed to read, the Lord is intervening, the Lord is acting, Mm -hmm. the Lord is probably suspending the laws of nature, like with the giant fish, and is making something happen rather quickly. So uh, I'm viewing it as the Lord did it, and I don't know... uh, and that's the only explanation for a plant that grows that big, that fast in a day and a little worm that eats it and it dies. And, and you mm-hmm. know, I think that's the only explanation. Yeah. I certainly didn't mean to imply that I didn't take this question seriously. Oh, no, no. I just had never thought of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't mean, I don't think you were mocking the question at all, but you laughed about it. I did laugh. Go, is this person uh, pulling my leg a little bit? But no, it's a great question. Because yeah, for sure. 
I think what they're saying is, how did this really happen? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's the question. And just like the great fish, how did this really happen? You have to step back and say, you either read the story as if if you believe that it really happened, you either read it that way or you don't. And the explanation is if it did happen, um, then it's all because that's the way the Lord or, you know, made it orchestrated it. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so whoever sent this question, it, we treated it seriously. It is a good question. And, um, I just never quite thought of it quite. Yeah. Me the, neither. The dimensions of the worm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. All right. Moving on. Here's our second question. Do you think Jonah was a dramatic person? Man, I'm, I'm not laughing at the no, question yeah. or the people, but I just like, these questions are catching me off guard. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Jonah was a dramatic person? Um, example, he, you know, he feels things exceedingly, he wants to die. Like these just kind of dramatic, very, um, I guess maybe very emotional language. I I think he is. And I, I, I think that's exactly the case. And I think sometimes you can read characters in the Bible and get a sense a little bit for what their, uh, their makeup or personality is. I mean, the classic one is like Peter in the new Testament. He sort of seems a little bit impetuous and, and like, speak first and think about it later sometimes, but that's kind of his personality. He was a quick, he's a leader. He's a, you know, he's out there. Yeah. Um, and I think you get the personalities of different people in the Bible. And that's a beautiful thing. Cause what we learned from that is that God wires people differently and he uses different people for different purposes. It's, there's not one kind of personality profile. There's not one emotional makeup Mm -hmm. and that this is the person the Lord uses. So I think here he's using a guy that does strike me as pretty emotional. I mean, I think many prophets probably felt things deeply, Mm -hmm. but he does seem to feel things, uh, deeply. Um, you know, at some level he reminds me of Elijah. Elijah is, uh, is melancholic. He's Mm -hmm. melancholy and he's kind of, uh, depressed and, and um, so uh, he strikes me as a person who is severely disappointed with God, uh, Jonah, uh, that he sort of travels between this anger and despair. And because he's angry with God, he ends up despairing because he's kind of uh, mad because the Lord's doing what he is doing. And uh, he has displeasure with God. And I think it le- leads him to sort of give up in a way. I think that despair, man, if God's going to act like that, I give up. I sleep at the bottom of a boat in a storm, uh, and just kill me. If you're going to, uh, you know, withhold judgment on the Ninevites, kill me. Yeah. And then if the plant's going to die, uh, kill me. And so <laughs> I think he's dramatic. I think he's despairing. Uh, and I think the despair comes from sort of the anger that he has with the Lord. Um, yeah. and I think that feeds it. So I do think that's the case. I'm, I'm sure he was a brilliant guy. Probably, you know, he certainly could have been a, had a cerebral part to his, personality, but it, he certainly is portrayed as someone who feels things deeply and, uh, is, um, is reacting emotionally to God. So is, is he dramatic? Yeah. It certainly reads that way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Okay. Uh, let's move on to this next question. What does the Bible say in regards to how you show compassion to someone that physically hurts or verbally abuses other people? Yeah, that is such a, a wonderful, wonderful question. And it's a very, of course, it'd be a fair question at any time, but it's a very yeah. fair question in this text because what this person is asking 
is the very thing that the Ninevites were guilty of. God says that their evil has risen up to me. And then when their king repents, he says, nobody do evil or violence. Mm -hmm. So they are a violent people. It means that some people are oppressing others physically and violently. And so God does have compassion on them. I think it's important to note that it's sort of a national or they're not a nation, they're a city, but it's sort of a citywide uh, God's going to have mercy and withhold judgment if you will all corporately repent. I think this person's asking, so we don't really have that. I mean, we're, who of us is going to look at a whole city today and go, Lord, you know, are they going to all repent? We, you know, we're dealing with individuals typically, and that's what this question is. And so if God had, I, if I can read between the lines here, if God had mercy on people that were culturally abusive and as a nation were abusive to other nations, if he's going to show them mercy, what does that for mean for me as an individual if I encounter someone who's, who is, uh, uh, you know, abusive as well? So I think what I would say is about that is that this is a, um, this person's asking a question about an individual circumstance. If someone is harming other people, physically. Um, that is criminal. That's a criminal act. You can't, uh, you can't assault other people, uh, physically. So if, if someone is, um, you know, uh, physically hurting others, as the person says here, then that, that needs to be brought to the attention of civil authorities. And that is the most compassionate thing to do. It's not compassionate to say, I don't want to go to civil authorities. It's not, we, we would obviously say that's not compassionate for the victim. Mm -hmm. We want to show compassion for the victim, but that's not this person's question. This person's question is how do you show compassion for the abuser? Yeah. And I would say you show compassion for the abuser by getting the authorities involved. Mm -hmm. That is the right thing to do. God has, God has, you know, sort of has given authority both to the church and to the state. So this church has authority in spiritual matters, um, but the state has authority uh, to persecute and sort out, uh, to investigate and sort out through the judicial system uh, matters of um criminal activity. And the, and the Bible says, so obviously hurting people is that. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says in Romans 13 that, that the state is actually the servant of God. So to report to criminal, to report to the authorities when something criminal is happening to a victim, this is, this is going to, um, God's designated servant. It says the servant, the state is a servant of God uh, and that the state does not bear the sword in vain. The sword is a picture of, uh, you know, uh, uh, judge repercussions or, you know, uh, penalties uh, for, for crimes. It's, it's the punishment that, mm -hmm. that the state could, uh, you know, put up, put upon someone. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm not getting it. It's, it's the, the, the sword represents um, criminal justice. I'll just say that. Okay. So God ordains the state to punish evildoers, the scripture says. And um, so I think the most compassionate thing to do that honors the Lord, well, and is the most legally, it's the legally responsible thing to do as well, but it honors the Lord. It shows compassion for the victim. But this is what we often don't think. It shows compassion for the guilty person too. Why? Because that person now comes face to face with God and the consequences of their actions. We say, well, really go, go into the police is God. Uh, well, they are designated of God. Yes. That's what Romans 13 says. He has given them to bear the sword to punish evildoers. And so you're pushing the person face to face with God so that they can be sorted out and they can, uh, it can be evaluated. And then if they are guilty, then they can, 
in essence, uh, suffer the consequences for their action, which is a mercy to them. It, it, it halts them and calls them to an account. And that's a merciful thing ultimately. Mm. So it's never compassionate to, uh, to, you know, sort of hide, um, charges against someone who's doing something wrong. It's compassionate to ultimately, um, go to authorities. Now the person says, what if it, they're not physically hurting someone? What it's a, what if it's a verbal abuse? So what if it's a category that's not criminal? So you're at work and you, you come in 10 minutes late and the boss yells some curse words at you. And it's a little of an overreaction. You don't call 911. You don't go to the police. There's no threat. It's just yelling and Mm -hmm. cussing you out a little bit for being a little late. So what do you do in that, you know, in that situation, that's not criminal. But if someone is verbally uh, using their language to harm others, I think you still look for who is a designated authority in that situation that can pursue justice with that person. So if it happened at work, I think you go to the management or whatever. Mm -hmm. If somebody is, uh, if a supervisor is using language that's abusive, that's sexually provocative, that's whatever it is to harm people, then who's responsible for them? You go to them. If it's, uh, if it's at school, you know, you go to, if you're a student, you go to the authorities, to the administration of the school and say, this is what's bullying would be an example of that. You go and verbal bullying, you, you go to a, to an authority, uh, there. So I think that's important if it's happening in the church, you know, if, if someone is using their language to, harm other church members, something like that, you bring it to the elders or the authority in the local church. So I think the Lord, everything's not criminal. You don't always go to the police, but I think every it, throughout society, there are God ordained means, um, of, of help, even when there's anger, you know, ang, you know anger, words of anger being used, or, uh, verbal abuse of some sort. Uh, so again, it's just not compassionate to say, I'll take that. And I'm just not going, if there's a means to, in essence, deal justly with the circumstance. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're going down the road and somebody yells at you, what are you going to do? Somebody road rage or yells out the window at you and cusses you, oh, you can't do anything about that. But if it's, I think in, in normal life, these are the way I would look to it. So that's how I think about uh, showing compassion. I think it's a great question because it looks like God lets them off the hook. Ultimately they do. The city is later uh, judged, but they are let off the hook here. And, and I wouldn't take that macro, the way God deals with nations and make that the exact pattern pattern for how you deal with a family member or a neighbor or hmm. a, a coworker or another citizen when there are these in, in society that God has ordained these various means to sort things out and bring justice to the, yeah. op- to the oppressed, um, uh, or the sinned against. I, so I think that's a, that's important. So, uh, mm-hmm. I'm really glad they asked that cause I wouldn't want someone to think that everything I taught, uh, that I understand from Jonah about dealing with an, a, a city, I keep saying nation, a city is the way you take that one-to-one correspondence mm-hmm. dealing with an individual. So yeah. I probably that's probably a longer answer than they wanted. But I'd say also, if you have something more specific on that and you don't want to say it on the podcast, let us know. We'd be happy to answer that however we can. So Yeah, that's good. Well, excellent question and a really helpful answer. Thank you. Um, moving on, our next question is this. Is Jonah the Old Testament version of the older brother from the story of the prodigal son? Absolutely. And to this person, bonus points if you came up with that on your own, because <laughs> Tim Keller talks about that in the book. He he talks about that. So if you if you're asking how I read that in Keller, what do you think? That's still a really good question. But if you just thought of that on your own, fantastic. And so <laughs> I think that's a great question. And yes, I think that the prodigal, the older brother is very similar to Jonah. Now, I'm not saying that he's representative of Jonah or something like that. But I do think he uh, he's similar. 
And the reason I say that is because you see that the older brother is upset for the father showing mercy. So, you know, the prodigal son, the guy goes out, gets the inheritance from his father, squanders it all, comes back home, and the father throws a huge party for the younger son, welcoming him home. The older brother uh, is not so happy about that. So in Luke 15, it says, the older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf. Therefore, I'm sorry, because he has received him back safe and sound. But this is the son, older brother. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not my brother, but mm. this son of yours, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, uh, when he returns home, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. But so there is the same, it's not exactly one-to-one, -one, but there's a relate. There's a similarity there. There are people that, someone who's been far from God that returns in repentance and there is, uh, you know, certainly here, not just withholding judgment, but a full forgiveness and restoration. So that's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But what is the brother's response? He was angry. I think it's very much like Jonah. This yeah. isn't right. This is not right. He took your money, which affected the brother. He took money and he went and spent it on prostitutes and whatever else, squandered it. Hmm. And I've been here all along. You're not throwing, why am I not getting big parties? And, and yet, rather than saying, I celebrate mercy, my brother has returned and that he was dead and is alive. Yeah. So I think this observation the person makes is very uh, good. He refused to go into the party, just like Jonah refuses to celebrate. He says, just kill me. The brother doesn't say that, but it, it, I think it's... Uh, it's, he's saying it's not right to yeah. show him mercy based on what he's done. Yeah. I think that's exactly what Jonah's saying. Mm -hmm. And it's self-righteous. I've been here all along. Jonah's, in essence, I'm part of Israel. We've, we've, we're your people. Come on. Yeah. So I think it's similar. Interesting. Yeah, that's good. All right, here's our last question. <laughs> Jonah was angry with God for showing mercy with Nineveh. I often find myself feeling angry with God for not being merciful at other times. So many fall under severe and eternal judgment while others get mercy and pardon. I find this confusing the, to the point of even doubting my own salvation at times since God's judgments seem random and inconsistent. How can I come to a better understanding of this? Wow. That, you know, to this question, I, I want to, they were all really good questions. I want to yeah. thank this person for yeah, writing something so transparent. And I also mm -hmm. want to say, um, that, that we are happy to meet with anyone and, to, you know, you're welcome to text in questions, but if you're wrestling with assurance of your salvation, uh, I can give a little bit of an answer here, but I think ultimately that's the kind of thing it may be better to sit down and talk through with someone, yeah. um, a mature Christian, uh, mm -hmm. brother or sister in the Lord, you know, um, your small group leader, uh, one of the pastors, so, someone that, um, that you trust their their discernment they, and they can help you think this through. Um, so the general part of it is saying it's the person saying, it seems like God is kind of merciful at sometimes. Uh, it seems like, uh, other times people fall under severe and eternal judgment while some people get mercy and pardon. And he says, I feel, or he or she says, I feel this is confusing. 
it seems like God's judgments are random and inconsistent. So let me uh, draw a distinction between the general sort of uh, experiences of life and eternal judgment. Those are two very different things, I think. So um, when the person says, it seems like people get eternal judgment and that seems random and inconsistent, um, I think eternal judgment is 100% consistent always. When God uh, condemns someone eternally, it is always uh, on the same on the same basis. Mm-hmm. It's not haphazard. It's not yeah. random. Um, I'm going to look up a verse here. I think that when the 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 challenges of daily life happen, they they do feel sometimes random and mm-hmm. and uh, you know like inconsistent. So the example I use Sunday was Jonah. He has a shade plant one day, and the next day he has the trial of it dying and being under the sun. Uh-huh. So which are you, God? Are you giving mercies or are you giving trials and discipline? Which mm-hmm. is it? And the answer is well both. And can we explain exactly why? No, just that God wanted the ultimately the best for Jonah and was. Yeah seeking to uh, help him. So we know that, but we don't know, you know, ultimately why he did that. But if someone is condemned eternally, it is always the same reason. And here it, here's the reason. Um, in John 3, we all, uh, you know, John 3.16 is a well-known verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But what is less uh, well-known is two verses later in 3.18, Jesus says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Mm. Um, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So Mm. what does he say? There's one condition on which people are judged and condemned, and it is the rejection of God's gift in Jesus Christ. And, um, and I think you see that you, you, there's no sense in the Bible that someone would stand before the Lord and the Lord would say, well, you're condemned because I randomly chose not to show mercy. It is always, you're responsible and you're, and you're condemned because you don't believe. Now, if you're welcomed into the presence of God as one who's forgiven, it, it, the reason is the mercy of God. Uh, so if I'm, if I'm saved, it's the grace of God. I received it by faith, but it's the grace of God. If I'm condemned, it's because I rejected Christ. So these two things, these are the two things we have to hold in tension, which have can kind of go to God's sovereignty and our responsibility. But we have to hold that intention. We have to always say people are not condemned because God didn't show them mercy. They're condemned because they willfully rejected yeah. Christ. Yeah. And uh, so that's 100% consistent. Day to day, does life appear consistent the ways of God? No, they don't. And that's why you have lament psalms. And that's why you have books like this. And that's why you have Job. And we don't get it at times. Um, But we trust that, but we know God is good, but we can't explain all of his actions. So anyway, I I think that was a really great question. I just want to say one more thing to the person. If you are doubting your own salvation, um, that a lot of people do, that's not unusual. You shouldn't be shocked. That's not embarrassing. Um, to doubt our salvation. It's not mm-hmm. embarrassing at all to not have assurance, to lack assurance. But the way assurance is gained, there may be a number of things may need to help you understand the gospel if you're unclear for not a Christian or a new Christian, may need to help you understand the gospel. Maybe you're a seasoned Christian still wrestling, which is probably ultimately need to find ways to remind you of the gospel. But the truth is always going to be looking outside of ourselves, 
looking to the work of Christ and rooting our confidence in what he did for us in, in the cross and resurrection, and resurrection and mercifully believing and, and uh, placing our, our hope in what he's done, not evaluating how much faith do I have, how am I doing, but looking to him and what he's done. So I have some resources. You can grab me on a Sunday or contact me, email me, um, and I can help you further with this. Uh, but I think it's a great... Uh, I think it's a great question. And here's the thing that this person probably doesn't know, that the challenge of people wrestling with assurance of salvation is way more common than folks know. You think mm. I'm, I'm the only one in the room, but you're not the only one in the room. So yeah. thank you for asking. And by God's grace, um, may he secure you and him. And, and please reach out to someone to help you. You don't need to be tormented about that. That's good. Well, all right. That's all of our questions. And that's Jonah. There it's, it is. It's done. Um, man, what a good time. I think we had a lot of really good questions throughout the series. So this I think we fun. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I think folks good. were, it was, it was great. Yeah. Well, we're moving on, aren't we? What's, we are. Joan is in the rearview mirror. Yeah. What's coming up? Uh, this Sunday, we're doing something interesting. It's a family worship thing. So it'll be a briefer service. And uh, we're going to have the elementary age kids with us in the service. So it's not going to be just a children's sermon, but it's mm-hmm. going to be something that is geared towards them. Perhaps it'll be definitely far briefer, more creative. So we're hoping it'll serve families. That's happening uh, this Sunday. Are you going to do like magic tricks or well, anything like actually, that? Well, actually Rob's doing it, not oh, me. Perfect. And so, yeah, so Rob is going to, he's going to probably, I'm sure he's got some amazing stunt. Fantastic. The amazing Rob is what I like to think of him. Yeah. As, you know, that's going to be great. It is. <laughs> so, uh, and then the next week, you know what, we're going to go into first Thessalonians. It's a book I've never taught. It's not of Paul's letters. It's not like the one everybody, everybody loves Philippians and yeah. we've done Colossians. We've done Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, uh, the, um, Theological folk all love Romans. When are we going to do Romans? You know, they, yeah. so Galatians is yeah, that's the big book of grace. No one ever really talks about First Thessalonians. It's kind of a, a little bit of a, a, I don't know. How do you judge the word of God? You shouldn't, but it's a less <laughs> popular book among. Yeah. But yeah. it's really important. They were messed up on, they were confused about understanding the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't think the church has ever been confused on that one, do you? So, oh, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we got a whole book and movie series about that. So uh, anyway. Oh, so good. So uh, you know, we'll probably talk about that some. I'll probably tell stories of uh, seeing a thief in the night when I was in fifth grade. Do you know that movie? I know of it, but I, I don't yeah. know. There, You're there are gener- just so many out there, Oh, though. there's so much, and there uh, is so much. I remember seeing one uh, that I was shown when I was maybe 10 called Revelation. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it was like the... I don't, I don't remember one of the, one of the aspects of the reign of the Antichrist yep. was in virtual reality. Oh. Uh, there, yeah, they were like, uh, executing Christians in virtual reality. Uh, you know, you know, I played a VR I, game for the first time in my life. Friday was it night. that one? No, was it called there, was, Revelation? there was no, there was no antichrist. <laughs> I was actually at a pastor's house. Oh, really? So there was no antichrist around. Hell, it's, uh, yeah. So th- there's a lot of creative movies out there. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, to, to misunderstand, to have the <laughs> anyway. balance, to balance, to have the balance between the 
urgent awareness of the return of the Lord, that yeah. we do live in light of the return of the Lord, yeah. but that we stay faithful today. So some of them were thinking, hey, he's coming. So we're just going to sort of check out a little bit. And uh, so I think we're calling the series, uh, we should like really know two weeks out, but we're looking at uh, here and now mm. and talking about the importance of living a faithful life in the here and now, because yeah. it's just so easy to say, uh, you know, nothing, it doesn't really matter. Jesus is coming tomorrow. He might come tonight. And he might not come for uh, another thousand years. So I, I think we live expectantly, but we live faith, and, we, and that causes us to live faithfully. So I think there's going to be some really, we, we haven't talked a lot about this kind of thing, the, the end times, return of Christ. We haven't done a lot of that in our church as much as we probably should have taught about it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to give us good moorings to know that the Lord's return. How does that put an urgency into my actions today? And how does it cause me to be faithful? Yeah. To Today as well. So maybe we'll get some good questions and yeah, yeah. I, I bet it's going to be great. Well, you I'm, know what? It what would be awesome is if I played that trick on you. Like you come in to do the podcast and there's and just clothes a pile of clothes <laughs> on my chair. Yeah. Just perfectly folded yeah, or yeah. just like, like yes. your body just disappeared yes. from inside of them. And you're going, Oh man, I feel, I joked about that VR movie. Oh, and uh, now look, <laughs> I was left behind. Yeah, it really is a serious matter. Just if you're listening, I don't want anybody to be offended. The funny thing is that the way Christians sometimes have tried to take creative license with yes. the scripture and build, uh, go beyond the scripture and build creative stories along the line. So when yeah. we get into First Thessalonians, the return of Christ is anything but a laughing matter. Mm -hmm. But we should laugh at ourselves as Christians, and because uh, we've done a lot of goofy stuff. And yeah. so this topic of all the Christian movies, this is the one that we've, uh, we've been the wackiest on. Mm. I think. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thief in the night, man. I, I well, we'll both tell our stories because I'm scarred to this day from, yeah. I saw it at 10 years old too. <laughs> oh man. I mean, yeah, let, <laughs> let's take the 10 year olds and show them the scariest oh, movie we can show them. Yep. That's for sure. Oh man. And then cool. if your mom wasn't there to pick you up at the end, it was like, oh, she's, I've been left behind. I've got a story about that too. Do you? Well, sort of not. Well, well let's no, save it. Yeah. We'll say, we have so many stories. Yeah. Oh, we've got so much. It's coming. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, you know how I feel about your first sermon of the oh, series. You do, yeah, you love it. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to it. So cool. All right. Well, thanks for your time. <laughs> any, and any, any, oh, I'm going to stop right there because it's not going to be good. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I know you'll okay. like, and this is going to be a little longer than Jonah. So you'll probably get bored by the end of this one, but the first one will be good. Hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> No, I'm going to love the whole thing. It's going to be hey, great. You said you like the whole Jonah series. So I think, I think you, I don't know, something happened. Something with you. happened. You, you know, it must've not just been a really good first sermon. It must've yeah. been a good Seri rest of the series. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I want you to know when you play guitar on Sundays, I like all the songs you play, oh, not thanks, just man. the first not song. Not just the first one. All of them. It's really kind. Yeah. Now you feel bad. I do. I feel terrible. I'm going to try harder at liking all of your sermons. <laughs> Bro, if you don't like them, uh, no, that's fine. Oh, I love them. Thank no, you. You're great. And I cool. love you playing. Okay, Aww, good. Thanks. All right. We are going to wrap up. Thank you for your time, Craig. And thanks, listeners, for your questions. Had a good time uh, walking through the series and seeing all the questions that we're coming up with and working through. So it's been a good time and looking forward to more. So we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>